I don't care how good you look, how charming you are, how wonderfully you dress. If you don't have appointments, if you don't have people to talk to, to tell your story to, to do your presentation to, if, if you're not, you know, what in, in today's modern world, whether it's, uh, you know, online on a webinar, uh, whether it's on a Zoom call, if you don't have someone to talk to, uh, you're not going to be able to hit your sales goals and your income goals. So you better understand and accept that if you're in sales, you are in the prospecting, the marketing business. And your first job is to get appointments. And if you can't get appointments, then you can't sell. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. I've actually known about this guest for almost 15 years. I found out about him when I was in the direct selling industry, and he'd written a best-selling book and a best-selling program called Double Your Contacts. He is one of the world's leading thought leaders in how to double your contacts, And as well, he is a man with a passion, a mission, a fire in the belly to serve men in today's climate. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary MJ Durkin. Welcome to the show, MJ. (laughs) Thanks, Nikki Blue. Really appreciate that. You forgot that I'm a 17-degree black belt. Uh, I've been to space with the astronauts, and I also helped uh, Jonas Salk uh, develop the polio vaccine. But other than that, you, you nailed it. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Great to have you on the show, man. Well, you know, I originally found out about you back when I was a rep for an organization called ACN in Toronto, Canada, where I live. And I was at one of the ACN events, and there was a gentleman by the name of Andre Blanchard who ran a bit of a traveling bookstore. This was, you know, back in the days where that sort of thing still was profitable. And Andre had a whole bunch of books. And I'm bought a bunch of books because I was always a reader. And then I saw your book along with the audio CD that came with it. And I said, hey, man, what's this? Double your content. He goes, yeah, that's great. That guy's awesome. You need to listen to this. So I purchased the book and I wore out the audio CD. I must have listened to it 40 to 50 times. It had to be the most powerful thing I'd heard to date on how to get out there and double the number of people that I connected with. And I used it to my great profit. So A, thank you. And B, man, how did you get to become this guru in the world of selling, serving, enrolling, doubling your contacts? Tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be the great MJ Durkin. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Yeah, that. Uh, uh, so I'll start more at the beginning around uh, the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis when I was born. Uh, fast forward a few years, and when I graduated from college, or uh, I, excuse me, I, I just, I just uh, actually lied. Uh, um, when I left college, <laughs> uh, undergrad, 
ungraduated as uh, Bill Gates and uh, Steve Jobs as well, I, uh, I realized that I had no skills. <laughs> so I was applying for jobs and I applied for a job and they said, what, what skills do you have? I said, well, I'm a college dropout. I have no skills. And they said they immediately sent me to the sales department because that's where all people go that have no skills. They sent them directly to the sales department. That's department. True. So that's true. I went, that's true. To, I went to sales and, uh, and I started my sales career. And what I learned about myself was that I was I don't know if I was the greatest closer in the world. I eventually became a great closer. But in the beginning, I was really, really good at getting appointments with people. One of my specialties, my secret weapon, my, my superhero power I learned years ago was that I have a great ability to get the appointment. And the salespeople at the head company hated me because I won every trip. I won every bonus. And they used to say to me, Durkin, we don't understand how you're able to outsell us. You don't have a degree. You don't know anything about engineering. You don't know anything about water. We were in the water-related business. And yet you beat us every time. How do you do that? And I say, I simply go on more appointments than you guys do. And so eventually, uh, when I was, uh, I was approached by a years later, I got into the training uh, business of, of uh, training salespeople. And um, I had a, a millionaire, a multimillionaire a networker. He was in the networking business, the same industry you're talking about. And he heard me speak at a chamber of commerce meeting about prospecting and getting appointments and, and, uh, and, and how to get in front of people, how it was so important to be able to tell your story to a large number of people. And he, uh, he and I uh, met and he recommended that I write a book. And that book that you're speaking of is the book, Double Your Contacts. That's how Double Your Contacts was born. Uh, literally this man and I were arguing and he said, he said, um, I want you to train my people. And I said, how many people do you have? And he said, 10,000. And I said, nobody has 10,000 people to train. I said, I train for Steelcase and Hayworth Office Furniture and the American Red Cross. And you know, nobody's got 10,000 salespeople. He said, I do. And so we decided to write a book. And he put me in front of an audience of 3,000 people in uh, the great Hamilton, Ontario, uh, up in Nikki Blue territory. <laughs> oh, Canada, our home and native, native land. land. And true, true patriot love and so, all our sons command. But anyways, <laughs> I digress. So, so I, I, I did the presentation and we were in front of 3,000 people that day and um, we sold 3,000 books. Wow. And so a star was born. <laughs> Unbelievable. Incredible. So I'll tell you what, that, that book was a seminal book in my thinking around sales, enrollment, serving people, because you, you hit the nail right on the head, right? A great Canadian, Wayne Gretzky, said you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. And the problem most people have in sales is that they're afraid, they're scared, they don't want to come across as pushy or salesy. They don't want to come across as though they have commission breath, Right. You heard that phrase before, commission breath? So, yeah, and this, this is the thing that you unapologetically spoke to people, to their yearning to be successful, and you said, hey, sales is a wonderful thing, and if you're going to be good at it, you may as well practice it, right? Right, right. 
So tell yeah, us and more. you might as well and you might as well study and understand that I don't care how good you can present, I don't care how good you look, how charming you are, how wonderfully you dress. If you don't have appointments, if you don't have people to talk to, to tell your story to, to do your presentation to, if if you're not, you know, what in in today's modern world, whether it's uh, you know online on a webinar, uh, whether it's on a Zoom call. If you don't have someone to talk to, uh, you're not going to be able to hit your sales goals and your income goals. So you better understand and accept that if you're in sales, you are in the prospecting, the marketing business. And your first job is to get appointments. And if you can't get appointments, then you can't sell. That is so brilliant, man. You know what? I'm actually going to write that down because that's so important. And so many people just don't get it right? They just don't get it. If you can't get appointments, you can't sell. And if you can't sell, you don't have a business. That's the bottom line, isn't it? That's it. That's it. Uh, when, when, I, when I realized that, that, I, that everything about, about myself generating income as an independent salesperson or, as, or even when I worked for a company, which was not very long, you know, or, or as an independent business owner, which I've been for the last you know, 30 plus years, is that everything begins with a lead. Everything begins with a, a name and a number or a name and an email or a name and, an, and a direct message, a Facebook message. Everything begins with a prospect. And if you don't have a prospect who in some manner or form has raised their hand or can be contacted so that you can tell your story, then you know, you're up the creek without a paddle, as we used to say back in the day. Yeah, you are up the creek without a paddle. <laughs> so here's one of the things that I really, really understood and understood very powerfully when I started to get into the sales game. And that was that you can't be afraid of picking up the phone and calling somebody or, you know, metaphorically speaking, maybe these days you do it through, I don't know, Zoom or through a Skype call or whatever. Because if you're afraid of calling somebody, if, if you take yourself out of the game before the game even starts, you never have a chance of winning. And so many people today go, oh, I'm not a salesperson. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be salesy. You know, I, I don't want someone to think of me that way. And yet they call themselves business owners. How the heck can you be a business owner if you're not unapologetically a student of and a practitioner of the game of setting appointments, speaking to prospects, and telling your story, right? Well, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the main thing that if, if you're a business owner, uh, and I know you have a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs uh, that listen to your show. And as I mentioned to you before, Nikki, you know, you have to remember that entrepreneur rhymes with manure for a reason. Uh, <laughs> and you're awesome, it's not, man. it's not all sunshine, roses and unicorns as an entrepreneur that the main thing that most people miss when they start a business or in their business is they're not constantly cultivating and building a list. And if you're going to market in today's economy, you've got to build a list. Now, we used to talk about an old-fashioned paper list and writing names down in a notebook. And I'm famous for a product, if you will, or a, a concept called the list. But it translates into whether your list is in a, in a um, you know, it's in a, it's in a Google Doc or whether it's in a, um, you know, an, an email campaign like a Constant Contact or MailChimp or something of that nature. 
you must cultivate a list and you must build a list. And if you don't have a list of email addresses, you know, I had this uh, discussion with someone on a podcast the other day and they were like, you know, do you think email is dead? And I'm like, no, I don't think email is dead because email is really the only list that you can actually own. So if you have 5,000 friends on Facebook or you have 20,000 followers on Instagram or you've got uh, 5,000 you know, followers on your YouTube channel, you may think that you have a list, but you really don't own that list. And if any of those those mediums ever decide to shut you down for any reason, uh, you will find yourself completely uh, and and uh, 100% demonetized. But at least the email list, you can own your email list and you can also own your text list. That's another very powerful way to market these days. So l- l- let me say this is, is that if, if you're not constantly adding names, numbers, emails, mobile numbers to your list, Basically, you're out of business. You know, that is so powerful. And thank you for telling me that. Thank you for reminding me of the importance of that. You're absolutely right. The the technology platforms can shut you down for any reason. I mean, it's it's been happening to some of the biggest names in the business, right? So if it can happen to them, it can happen to you. They change their community standards, boom, you're gone. Or if you decide to muse about, you know, a topic that they don't like these days, boom, you can be gone. A very famous person over the weekend, you know, said something disagreeing with uh, government coronavirus policies. And Twitter now has a policy saying that you can't spread misinformation about coronavirus. And to them, misinformation according to the censors at, tw- at Twitter, was simply saying, hey, I don't agree with the government shutdown order. People should go back to work. That was considered misinformation. Now, I don't consider that misinformation, but they did. And the fact that this big personality said that meant that they just lost their Twitter platform of a couple million people. If they have those same people on some sort of an email list, that's so much better for them because they can continue to communicate with them, right? Yeah, absolutely. You you definitely want to be looking at, you know, if, you, if you're using the various uh, mediums out there to collect subscribers or followers, you want to find a way to uh, bring them into your own, own community that you own and that you control. And you better figure that out because if, if that happens to you in any manner or form, if somebody doesn't like some yeah, statement that you make or whatever, uh, you could watch your whole business go right down the tube. So always look to, when, you, when you're gathering names and numbers, always look to get them in email addresses, look to get them under your own control so that you're able to market to them directly. Amen, man. Well said. Really, really well said. Thank you for reminding me and reminding my listener of that because that is so, so vitally important. You know, people who don't get that, are, are really setting themselves up for a fall. Social media is wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful, but it belongs to the person who built the platform. So it's important right. to remember that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a good title for a, a, a book or a webinar. It's not your platform. You know what? Well said, man. What? Well said. Maybe you and I ought to do ought to do a, uh, a Facebook live on that on that thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like your it. platform. Yeah, I like it. I'm going to write that down. That's really good stuff. There's a few good things you've said that I've written down in my notebook here. So awesome. So MJ, you and I also share a passion for being of service to men, right? Uh, I've told you my story. I was married. 
My then wife, uh, seemingly out of the blue, decided she didn't want to be married to me anymore. It was around the, the health of my youngest son. He had been born with too narrow a windpipe. He was in the hospital, in ICU, twice for extended periods of time. She almost died. I was freaked out. She was freaked out. I didn't handle her very well. And unfortunately, that led to the breakup of our family and, and our marriage. And that, as a result of that, I went into initially a very deep depression. And then I got involved in men's work and I was with men's groups. And, and I started to realize that, hey, there's a lot of men like me that feel lost out there that need to have somebody or a group of men that they can trust to help them navigate how to be a man in the 21st century. I know this is something you're very passionate about. You have a very powerful podcast called Men of Honor. Let's talk a bit about that. Could you could you share your story with our listener? Yeah, well, my passion for helping men, um, you know, started uh, when my, my, uh, my wife came to me. On November 13th, Felix Unger was asked to remove himself from his place of residence. Um, I was... Uh, uh, was asked to remove myself from my place of residence um, after uh, being with my college sweetheart, whom I married at uh, at 22 years of age, and uh, had been uh, married for 17 years. I had two small boys, four and nine, and um, basically uh, my ex said to me, I don't feel that you love me anymore, and I'm asking you, <laughs> I'm demanding that you leave. I'm taking the boys. I'm going to go for full custody and you're not going to see the boys anymore, and I'm done. And then one fell swoop. Uh, one one fateful night at uh, after the kids are in bed, you know those conversations, Nikki, usually happen uh, late in the dark of night, uh, <laughs> when uh, uh, the the very difficult things are discussed. And uh, and I watched my whole world uh, topple. And I also uh, went through an incredibly uh, devastating uh, time of uh, being away from my my sons and my family. And, um, and that divorce really, uh, really rocked me and damaged me. And, um, and I instinctively knew, I instinctively knew that I had given up my male friends, my masculinity to invest what I call my relational equity in my relationship with my wife. And what I mean by that is I believed that if I was a good father, I believed that if I uh, brought my paycheck home, I believed that if I was a decent man, and I was, I was 100% faithful, and I was not uh, the greatest husband in the world by any means. I mean, believe me, I, I, there's a there's hundred things that I could have been doing better if I had had some counseling and, and, uh, and actually had some, uh, maybe some good technology to understand the differences between myself and my wife. However, I can tell you that uh, I was a good man who was de it was deemed uh, that I had no value, and uh, and basically I was um, uh, you know I was uh, I was removed uh, from the relationship. Um, uh, one of my sons I did not see for seven years, um, and uh, fortunately for me, my oldest son uh, gave my ex uh, so much trouble in her new family, which she started right away with a. Uh, a new gentleman and a, and a new baby, um, that uh, my oldest son gave her so much trouble that she gave my oldest son back to me full time. And some, a very interesting note is that for the next 14 years, I raised my son as an only father, not as a single father, because single father implies that you are getting help from, you know, your former spouse to raise the child. And, um, and, uh, for any of a thousand reasons, my son and his mother could never 
get on the same page together. So for the next 14 years, I raised him. I got him to school. I educated him. I ran my business and I rebuilt my life um, uh, and raised a child who was raised completely by a father. I'm speechless because your story is so powerful and it's one that all too many men share. And here's here's the challenge for a lot of men in, is that over the last 50 years, the roles of, of men and women have become indistinct, uh, fluid in some ways. And that's been rough on a lot of men. It's been rough on a lot of women too. Uh, point of fact, but it's definitely been rough on a lot of men. They haven't known how to navigate this new world, and they don't have a clue how to understand the differences between uh, how they see the world and how their better half sees the world, their significant other sees the world, and that causes problems, causes huge problems, and causes a lot of relationships that otherwise could could be solid and could stay together with good people involved to break apart. And it sounds like that happened to you. Yeah, well, clearly, you know, neither one of us knew what we were doing, really. I mean, um, uh, you know, it's, it's always, uh, it's always 50, 50, although, you know, um, in, in the breakup, it was, it was made to sound like it was 100% my fault. And I, I took that on, which increased my devastation, my depression. I mean, it, it, it took me three to five years to really, to recover. What I can say about that is that, is that I knew that I needed to have men in my life. So, so the reason that I have a passion for men is that I realized that I had given up my, my masculine identity. I had given up my masculine edge and my masculine core to be relationally uh, involved or, or invested. That's the word relationally invested in the relationship with my wife, which, which very much was codependent. And when she pulled the plug, um, I now was completely lost, devastated. I couldn't see my sons. Um, my family was very, very important to me. I really, I came from a family that was a wonderful family with a great father. And I talked about my my father on my podcast this morning, and he was a great man. And my mom was awesome, and uh, and family was really important to me. And so when my family was destroyed, was devastated, I was I was really hurt, and I instinctively knew that I needed to get men around me. And a lot of the men that I was close to uh, at that time were, were so um, shocked by my uh, pain, by my grief, uh, that uh, most of my quote-unquote friends, male friends, um, took off like the, the, uh, the disciples at Gethsemane. They, uh, <laughs> they could not handle uh, the depth of my grief. And um, – uh, and so I had to develop a whole new core of men around me. I re- it's, it's really interesting that instinctively I knew that I needed the masculine. So what I started doing was I started reaching out to men. And, and if you want to learn something, if you want to learn something, one of the ways to learn something is to teach it. And so I started gathering men up and I started looking for men that were broken as well or that were having trouble with their their finances or their careers or their um, uh, addictions. And I started um, kind of ministering to men and helping other men and building a, a group of men around me. And I started to develop a circle around me. And, and for the next 14 years, I, I literally ran a team of men uh, at my property here in Connecticut. We built a huge fire pit. And every two weeks, we would go out in the woods and we would 
uh, discuss, scream, yell, emote, grieve, uh, challenge each other, push each other, hold each other accountable. And we saved dozens and dozens of marriages. We, we, uh, we, we helped dozens and dozens of men uh, become better ex-husbands, uh, former husbands. We helped uh, men uh, get rid of addictions to pornography and weed and, uh, and, and alcohol. And we supported each other. We built a core of men, a circle of power that, um, uh, that, that not only helped each other, but it really, it helped me and my son, my oldest son, Corey was raised in this environment. My son, we, we should really write a, write a, you know, write a book called, you know, raised by men because yeah. Corey was literally, he was literally raised by a group of men. When I would go away on a business trip, when Corey was, uh, you know, young, 13, 14, 15 years old, still a little too young to be left by himself, the men would come and they would check in on him and, and they would, they would bring him food. They would come and, and visit with him and, and they would take care of him for me while I was, um, you know, often in Syracuse, New York, doing a, a, a business training because we needed to eat. Yeah. And, uh, and my, my circle was a circle of, of men uh, that, that fathered this boy. And we held, um, you know, we, we held it together because we connected uh, to the love and to the masculinity of the men. Amen, man. Amen. And, uh, you know, your story resonates with me at so many levels. I want to unpack a little bit of it. So you you went through a situation where you felt you were in a good marriage and your wife didn't feel that way. And it was it blindsided you. I was the same. You uh, didn't get to see your kids for a little while. I was the same. Not, not as long as you, thank God. But... Um, it devastated me. There were there were times during that process where I'm wondering uh, if life's going to be like this. Is it worth living? Not not that I contemplated killing myself, but that was a question that went through my through my mind yes. when I wasn't able to see my kids, and when I was mm-hmm. sleeping on my mother's couch, and my income went from a robust six figures to like almost zero. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it was it was a horrible horrible experience for me. And what you said about if you need to learn something, you should teach it, that actually comes from Professor Glasser, who created something called Glasser Choice Theory. Glasser Choice Theory says that the best way to learn something is to teach it to someone else. And that's Mm. one of the reasons people like you and I become thought leaders, because you go into what you do around sales and setting appointments and doubling your contacts. You teach that to people because it makes you better at it. It makes it more possible for you to go out there and generate it. And the thing that you struggle with the most is is what gives you the right to teach it because you're the one who struggled with it and has thought through the nuances of really how to tackle it. While somebody who, you know, has never really struggled with it they don't have a right to teach it because they've never really tackled this as a problem. You know, it's just been something that has either come easily to them or it's been something that they brought about in a book. While men like you, men like me, with what we went through in our relationships, we're passionate about helping other men and we're qualified to teach it because of the struggle that we've had with it. And I want to just say this to you, my friend. I honor you for you know, stepping up as a man for your son and raising him. And I honor you for turning it around and turning it into business success. And I also honor you for paying it forward and helping other men because 
men need men to encourage them, to push them, to scream at them sometimes, to get them to go out of their comfort zones, to be better husbands, to be better ex-husbands, to be better providers, to be better warriors, metaphorically speaking. So kudos, my friend. Well done. Well, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. So you've got this podcast, and I've listened to some episodes of your podcast. And why I love your podcast is, first of all, it's very powerfully named, Men of Honor. Like, good gosh darn, man. That's really good, right? Men of Honor. It's about having men step into that old-fashioned concept of being a man of honor. It makes you sit up straighter, stand up straighter when you hear that, right? Because you want to live up to that. And the other thing is that your podcast goes into deep and real issues that men are grappling with. You know, talk a little bit about the kinds of things you talk about on the podcast and why they're important, why men should listen. Well, the podcast is an extension of, you know, hundreds of sessions that I've had with men, you know, around the fire pit, uh, in meetings, in different circles around the country. And it touches on the issues that men actually brought to the fire uh, and and said, you know, this this is what I'm struggling with. This is my problem. This is my issue. You know, for example, you know, the podcast I released uh, this morning is called the critical and volatile uh, relationship between fathers and sons. And what I discussed in that podcast uh, today is that that so many men have so many problems and issues and challenges and wounds with their father that in many cases, because they're refusing to address that wound or they're not talking about it with other men or they're not grieving it or they're not reconciling with their fathers in some manner or form, they are now experiencing problems in their success, their romantic life, their marriage, they've, they've got problems with addictions, they're allowing things to distract them. Uh, And one of the things I said there was that if you want to heal yourself, you're going to have to find a way to honor your father. Now, this is just one small piece of, you know, look at all the different issues that that men are dealing with in terms of, you know, trying to to be successful in the material world, trying to, I like your word, Nikki, uh, navigate, you know, trying to navigate, you know, a successful marriage, a marriage um, which uh, theoretically the man, man thought he was going to be able to have sex in his marriage. <laughs> and, and he finds now that he's married 10 years and he's got all these responsibilities and there is no sex. Uh, one, of my, one of our goals of the Men of Honor podcast is to put, this, put the sexy sex back into marriage. Amen. Uh, and, uh, because there should be a, tons of sexy sex going on in marriages. It's a bad uh, sign and, if it isn't, right? It's really a bad sign for the health of the relationship. So it's actually not good for the relationship for you not to be making love to your, to your beloved. <laughs> yeah, it's a big problem for everybody. So, yeah, so the Men of Honor, you know, deals with every issue that I have uh, – you know, I'll give you an example. I had a um, talk about in one of the episodes uh, about a man who called me up and he said, um, I need to talk to you before I get home. I'm driving home and I'm, I'm, I'm incensed. I'm enraged. I'm so angry, Durkin. I'm just going to go home and I'm going to, uh, you know, unleash the dogs of war. 
on my that's not my, good <laughs> on my daughter and i'm like what's going on bro you know and uh i call him bob and bob says to me he says i just got a call from my wife my 13 year old daughter was suspended from school for vaping and i'm enraged this is not how we raised her and my wife called me up and said can you believe our daughter did this and I want you to come home and I want you to come home and, and, and I want you to give her a consequence. And I want you to, I want you, you know, basically it was the, I want you to come home and kill our child, you know, conversation. And so he said, I knew I needed to talk to another man before I got home. What do you think I should do? And I said, well, I said, how well is it going to work? If you come in there yelling and screaming and lowering the boom on her, I said, do you think that's really going to support her? And so we, we had a little counseling session and I, and I gave him some ideas. And, and so what he did was instead of that, I, I, I recommended that he come into the house and that he say to his, uh, says to his wife and daughter, he, you know, that he should say to her, look, I understand you had a bad day and let's talk about this. And, and let's, uh, let's just, you know, let me just see if I can, can, uh, can calm the storm. And, and he told me later, he said, he said, when I got home, he said, because of your counsel, my wife and my daughter were on the couch crying and I got home and I, and I put my arms around them and I said, it's going to be okay. We're going to work this out. It's going to be fine. And I said to my daughter, do you want to talk about this now? And she was sobbing and she said, no, I feel like I really screwed up. I feel terrible. I don't want to talk about it now. And he said, I held the two of them on the couch while they just cried. And I just told them that it would be okay. And later that night, I talked to my daughter while we went out shopping and I asked her, I said to her, you're going to have to start making your own decisions about these things. And we want you to be able to make your own decisions. And do you think you made a good decision? And he said, I had a great talk with her, you know, b- based on your recommendation. But my wife, here's the, here's the, here's the, the, the cherry on the Sunday. His wife came to him the next day and said, I want to thank you for being such an incredible man because I really wanted to lower the boom on her, but you, you, you took our emotions in so well. You were such a great shock absorber for our emotions that that was exactly what we needed. And she said, I am so grateful to have such a powerful man as my husband and as a father for our daughter. And I just want to thank you for holding the space for us and letting us just have our emotions. Wow. That you know, is wild, man. So this is what men need to do for each other. We need – most men do not have a technology. They don't – most men, Nikki, don't have another man that they could call on the way home to call that man and say, I need some counsel. I need to, I need to offload something on you, man. I'm really upset, and I'm getting ready to go in and be very angry in my home and cause a lot of damage I need you to talk me off the ledge. I need you to tell me what I should do. Most men don't have three men in their phone that they could call on the way home to deal with an issue. And so what I do is in in the Men of Honor technology or in, in the Men of Honor podcast, I give examples like that and I give the men a framework. I give them a philosophy 
because most men are just, they're cobbling together a marriage. They're cobbling together being a father, being a husband, being a business owner, having a career, and they don't have a track to run on. And so what we do in our, in our podcast is we give a track for the men to run on. That's fantastic. So there's a lot I want to unpack there. But before I get to that, there's a question I want to ask you. Who does that for you? <laughs> who does that for me? Yeah. Who, who are the men in your life? I mean, you've got you've to be a man who's got that in his life, right? Because you preach it. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 I have a circle of power around me. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I have had, uh, I have mentors. I have a mentor who, who I call, who is um, uh, 20 years older than me, who is a multimillionaire, who, who has great success and great wisdom. And I, and I have a specific mentor. I, I, he, I, I refer to him as my mentor. Um, I had a mentor for many years when I was going through uh, my divorce, I attracted a mentor uh, named Carl Palmieri. Palmieri saved my life. And uh, Palmieri was the man. I, I literally called Palmieri every day for three years as I was going through my divorce and being separated from my youngest son and trying to, to uh, negotiate and navigate with my oldest son, which was uh, um, my, my oldest son was not easy. And so the, the real key there is to always have a, a, a mentor, a person that you can designate that is that that's the place where you're, you're getting the advice and the support and that fathering, if you will. So yes, I have a man in my life who is my mentor. I also have uh, uh, other, other elders that I uh, reach out to. My pastor also is a, uh, a man, even though he's younger than me, who has much uh, wisdom and and um, and I rely on his support and his apostolic covering as well. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. That's really, really powerful. And I'm really glad that you revealed that here. So what you said is so true. I wish I had a group of men around me during the time where my son was in the hospital with these dire life and death type decisions hanging over her head and my head to help me put my arm around her and say, it's going to be okay. We're going to face this together. Don't worry about it. I should have been a shock absorber for her emotions then, and I wasn't. And I believe that led directly to the breakup of our marriage. And if I'd been able to be that shock absorber, I'd still be married. Our family would still be together. And it's really important, really powerful for men to understand that that is the primary role of man in relationship is your job is to absorb the blows that she sends your way when her emotions rise. And if you can absorb them powerfully, man, she is going to be so happy she married you. And you're going to be so happy that you were able to deal with your wife, with your woman in a very beautiful, wonderful, respectful, yet powerful way. And men 50 years ago, 100 years ago, knew this. And they knew this because... That was how men were raised. Men had other men around them. And that's something that's been lost in this generation of men. And that's something that is very important for us at a grassroots level to be able to bring to more men. So for doing that, I thank you and I honor you, my friend. God bless you. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. So listen, we like to end off each and every one of our episodes 
by asking you to provide what we call three expert action steps, three pieces of advice that you recommend our listener take on to improve his or her life. And we've got a lot of women that listen to this show. In fact, I think we're about 50% women and 50% men. And they've got men in their lives. And there's a lot of women business owners in this show. So they probably really benefit from what you have to say from a business and sales point of view as well. And and, and I would say, if you wouldn't mind, give us three pieces of advice on, on the business sales side and three pieces of advice for men. So six total. Would that be all right? <laughs> I, I don't know that you paid for that much, but I'll see if I can deliver. <laughs> Check your credit card statement later today when you see see the Durkin Group on there. Yeah. So, uh, okay, let's talk about uh, three things for entrepreneurs. Good. This is a good exercise. So, so, uh, so number one, for entrepreneurs, which rhymes with manure, build your list. Number one, build your list. Build a list of, of, uh, of names. Build a list of of email addresses, build a list of uh, mobile numbers that you can text to. Remember that if you're if you're building an audience on social media, which by the way you should be, which is going to be my second thing, is that you must build a list. The list is going to determine your income, your growth, your market reach. You, you got to remember, uh, here's a subcategory to number one, build your list. You're a marketer first, you're a business person second. You're a marketer first. You're a business person second. Stop getting so, you know, there's there's a famous man in Canada who says, stop thinking that your content is so important and that what you do is so important, Nikki Blue. <laughs> <laughs> stop thinking that your content is so great and that the service that you provide, it doesn't mean a darn thing. If you don't know how to communicate that to an audience and get them to respond to you. So build your list. You got to build your number one, build a list and understand that every morning when you wake up as an entrepreneur, you should be thinking, how do I market? How do I meet more people? How do I make my list grow? You've got to grow your list. I remember years ago, I was talking to a, a, a man in the, the National Speakers Association and he's on. He sits on the now. Now I sit on the million dollar roundtable uh, a, a conference with him. But years ago, his name was Steve, and he said to me, "MJ, how many people you got in your mailing list?" And I was like, I was all proud. I was like, Oh, I've got like three thousand, you know, fifteen hundred on one list, and another fifteen hundred on another list, and they get my daily quote. And he's like, Dude, until you have ten thousand emails, you're a punk. <laughs> wow. He's like, wow. You're a punk until you have 10,000. You're not even playing in the same field we're in uh, until you have 10,000 emails. And, uh, uh, and, and so, so build your list. You absolutely have to build your list. That's really, really important is you must constantly be building the list, building the list, building the list. You know, so, so let's say number one is build your list. Number two, you know, see yourself as a marketer. Uh, understand that you're supposed to be marketing all the time. And whenever you, whenever I stop marketing is when my, I always see my numbers fall. Whenever my, my weekly or my monthly or my yearly numbers fall, it's because I wasn't dedicated to always figuring out how can I find new ways to communicate with people and to get in front of people. And, uh, and number three, I would say number three for, for a, for a business owner I would say to start stepping into your destiny, you need to start being about 10 to 15% bolder. And 
you need to be bolder in your in your marketing and you really need to be bolder in your closing so like i just uh, just the other day i i did a, an online broadcast to about 10,000 marketing reps around the world it was broadcast to 30 different countries uh, translated into five different languages and um and one of the things that i taught them was a thing that i call the five magic words and and i said in order to use the five magic words properly what you've got to do is you've got to be bolder. You've got to start asking people to actually take advantage of your offer. And you've got to start learning how to close. So just because you're really good at doing a webinar, just because you're really good at doing a podcast, doesn't mean that you're actually going to bring in income. And if you're a business owner, guess what you need? You need revenue. You need to drive revenue. And the way that you drive revenue is that you become 10 to 15% bolder, you become stronger at actually asking for the darn business. And so my three points would be, number one, build your list. Number two, become a marketer. Understand that everything is about marketing. And number three, learn how to be 10 to 15% bolder and actually ask for the sale. I love those three. Those are fantastic. I took some really good notes around those. And it's funny, I interviewed uh, Mark Victor Hansen uh, this week, and, and we've actually become friends. Great guy. Um, he's the co-creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul. They've sold 500 sure. million books, 300 mm-hmm. plus New York Times bestsellers, 59 of them number one. So, I mean, a real thought leader, right? And an accomplished one at that. He's written a new book called Ask. And it's all about asking for what you want in life. And when I was on the call with him, right, when I first met him, like uh, uh, a mutual friend introduced us because he wanted to be on a lot of podcasts. The first thing that he did when, when he told me about the book was, hey, Nikki, which other podcasters can you introduce me to so I can go be on their podcast and tell them about my new book? I loved it. I thought that was so awesome. And it was a great reminder. And you drove it home even more than he did. So thank you for that. Okay, so what are the other three expert action steps for the men? So three expert uh, action steps for the men. And I'm also going to give this um, for the women as well because I love women. They're magnificent creatures. And men are are ultimately – a much better off. I heard your interview with you and Steve Richmond and Steve Richmond said this genius thing. He said, women are magnificent creatures and men are better off if we're with them. I agree. And hundred uh, <laughs> percent. I love that. It was great. Uh, and uh, so let's do something for the men and the women. Um, okay. Number one for the men and the women, get some men or women around you. So the men get men around them and the women get women. Build a circle of power around yourself. Get yourself, get yourself, let's just talk about the men. Consider doing the same thing with the women. Men, get yourself some men around you that you can uh, get advice from, that you can give advice to, that you can get get support from. We always had a famous question in, in our meetings is when a man would finish revealing what was going on in his life, uh, and we would never say share because that was too therapized. Uh, we would say, just Amen. reveal what's going on. What's going on in your life? Stop sharing. This is not a support group. Just reveal, reveal. And when the man would reveal what was going on with him, we would. I learned this from my mentor, Carl Palmieri. I would say, uh, how can how can we support you? What support do you need 
to achieve your goals or to get what you want or to make that situation better? And that's a great question to ask your men. Whenever you listen to a man reveal and dump to you, you want to then say to him, how can I support you going forward? How can I support you to actually take action? Because men have a big problem taking action. So number one, get a circle of power around you, even if it's two or three men, even if right now you're just meeting on Zoom. I did I did a meeting uh, yesterday for about 12 men on Zoom that was incredibly, incredibly powerful. And they asked me questions and I gave them advice. And one of the men was dealing with the not being able to see his daughter for months and months. And, and literally he, he broke down and he, and he was grieving. It was amazing to me that we could actually grieve with a man on zoom was really an interesting thing. I've done it in a circle. I've done it with our arms around each other, around a fire in the middle of the night. It's a little easier to do it, you know, when you're, you're in the woods and to let your mask down. But, but man, this man let his mask down on a zoom call in front of you know, 12 or 13 other men and, and he, and he sobbed and he was grieving about how much it was hurting him that he was not able to see his daughter. And, and, um, uh, so, so, uh, so get some men around you that you, that you can get some guidance and some support and, uh, and get some energy from that's, that's really, really important. Number two for the men is get some good resources. I mean, get, you, you got to start looking for, uh, some kind of track to run on. Uh, there's a lot of great books out there for men. You know, get a, get a good recommendation for a book, a, a book that I, I, I haven't uh, written a book for men yet. I'm in the process of writing a book called Shattered Men, How, how to Recover from Divorce, Illness, a Business Collapse, Financial Ruin, and Other Masculine Disasters. Mm. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a hell of a great book title, by the way. I, I think it's very powerful. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm very excited about this book, Shattered Men, and uh, um, but um, uh, you know, get a book like Wild at Heart. You know, read some stuff from John Eldridge. Uh, uh, Eldridge that book is uh, right had, in front of me, my man. <laughs> like while you were when you were talking about the books, I was looking at that book, <laughs> and the words came out of your mouth. How cool is that? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it, it all makes sense to me. Um, yeah, Eldridge uh, really unlocks. Uh, he 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 and his wife uh, Stacy uh, ask some questions that unlock the mysteries <laughs> of uh, the feminine and the masculine um, for all of us. I'm I'm very grateful to them for for the spirit giving them those questions uh, to the world. And so learn those questions because they're very very powerful. So get some get some resources. Um, you know, get get something that you can listen to. Uh, and, and, or, or you can read, I know men, men are not readers. Men are good listeners. You know, my, my good friend, pastor Greg Gunn in um, Oklahoma, he said to me, you know, men are running around like crazy. Uh, you know, they're running uh, appointments, uh, driving trucks, uh, you know, on job sites, uh, you know, working out, uh, walking the dog, doing lawn work. Um, you know, uh, get yourself a good pair of, uh, you know, head, you know, ear, um, volume canceling. What do you call those? Um, noise canceling. Thank noise you. Canceling, yeah. I, I are a professional speaker. Get some noise canceling um, headphones and um, and listen. There's 600,000 podcasts out there. Find some podcasts. The first one you should you should tune into is the Men of Honor. Uh, the second one is the Thought Revolution podcast by Nikki Blue, and uh, of course I'm preaching to the choir there. But uh, but get a good podcast on men, masculinity, the differences between men and women. Um, and, uh, 
and start learning some stuff, get some technology. And, and number three, number three, um, stop thinking, stop believing the lie that men and women are exactly the same. Stop believing the lie that, um, uh, that we're just all individuals and that um, men and women are just doing, you know, a, a, a woman can do whatever a man can do, only do it better. We're all the same. We're just an androgynous. We're just people. Um, no, 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 we're not. We're different. And if you don't understand the difference between you and your wife, if you don't understand the difference between the masculine and the feminine, then you're going to get chewed up by the feminine. <laughs> yeah, you, if you don't understand some basic things, differences between you and your wife, and I, I, I work a lot with the married men because, you know, I'm married to the beautiful Bonnie now and, and um, uh, we've been together now for about 16, going on 17 years, and, and we both rebuilt our lives after a divorce. But, but stop believing the lie that, you know, men and women are, are, are certainly equal, but we are, we are uniquely, uniquely different in the way that we approach things. And once you are able to em embrace how different you are from your wife, all of a sudden, you'll be able to start bringing the gifts that you have as a man, as a masculine man that's got a masculine edge, that's got a masculine identity, and your wife is going to be really attracted to that. And quite frankly, so are other people in your life. So, so number one, get a circle of power around you. Uh, no, number two, start getting some good input into your brain. Listen to some good podcasts about men prayer, spirituality, strength, investments, um, you know, build, build yourself up as a man and just listen to stuff. You know, if you're, you're out on the job and driving and you're out and about, you know, listen, 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 listen. Uh, that's the, the new, the new university of the world is the podcast. Um, and, uh, and number three, uh, stop believing that men and women are just the same. We're not, you're different. You've got some unique gifts and your woman really wants you to bring those gifts to the relationship. You know, those are also three very powerful expert action steps. And uh, amen, brother, for saying that men and women are not the same. Yeah, obviously, we mean that, that a woman can choose to do anything she wants in the world of work that a man can do. Absolutely. We're not, we're not Neanderthals here. But... What we are saying is that they are very different. A man has to understand that they're different and be able to respect those differences and honor those differences. And frankly, women need to do the same for men. That's how you have beautiful relationships versus broken ones and broken families. And I think the biggest challenge the world is facing today is how many families have needless, needlessly broken apart. I, too, are a professional speaker, as you can tell. <laughs> needlessly yes, yes. broken apart. And, you know, having the ability to share this message with more men and showing men how they can, how they can come from that best version of their masculine selves and be there powerfully for their wives, for their women, for their families is a beautiful thing. I thank you and I honor you for doing that, MJ. Really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. You're welcome. So, um, listener. MJ's got a great podcast called Men of Honor. I've listened to it, and I'm going to continue to listen to it. It's a fantastic podcast. Highly recommend that you listen to that podcast as well, that you take into account the things that he is 
teaching you in that podcast because they're important, they're powerful, they're going to make your life better. So listener, if, if you're a man, you definitely want to listen to this podcast. And if you're a woman, you might want to listen to this podcast and get your man to listen to it. You know, and, and once, once you've heard the wisdom that he brings to the table, you're really going to powerfully benefit from it and want to share it. And that's important. Make sure that you share it. And in listening to this podcast as an entrepreneur, as a thought leader, a prospective thought leader, you can see that MJ Durkin is the real deal, right? He's living life as the best version of yourself, of himself. And you listen to this podcast in large measure because you want to learn from my fantastic guests about how they've done it so that it can inspire you and show you ways for you to live life as the best version of yourself. And one of the reasons that you're here is because you want to learn about how to get that expertise, how to get that genius within you and use it to help solve problems for other people. Because at the end of the day, as MJ was saying, business is about solving problems. And you want to know how to do that. You want to know how to have a big impact. You want to know how to make a lot of money from that. That's a fantastic and noble and good thing. And I've got a great resource for you to to riff on one of MJ's expert action steps. And that resource is on my website, there's a masterclass. In fact, if you go to my website, eastcircleacademy.com, right smack dab in the middle of the page is a button that says watch free masterclass. This masterclass basically is a blueprint, a prescriptive how-to for you to be able to take that genius within, that expertise, and start to figure out how to monetize it better, how to serve more people, how to make more money, how to take your business to the next level. Make sure you watch that masterclass. Another thing that I've started to do in this time of the global pandemic is I've started to share with people how they can go about and create their own podcast. Because if you have a great message and there is a global pandemic going on, and you know who knows when it's going to end, it, it, it's going to end at some point, but it could come back. And it's good anyways to be able to learn how to pivot and bulletproof your business. And one way to do that is to create a podcast. So I've created a, a, a free live webinar that I'm doing. It's, it's something that I've put up all over Facebook. You can reach out to us and find out about how you can get your voice out there through a podcast. So make sure you take advantage of these free resources. And once you've done that, if you want to learn how to apply it to your specific business better, we have an application process for you to do that. You can go back to my website, ecircleacademy.com, click on the button that says book a success call. So pick a time that works for you, fill out the application, we'll review the application. If it's if it's, you know, if if it's a fit, we can be of service. We're going to give you an hour of our time for free to help you Put this together in your business. And listen, this is a great and fantastic thing. Make sure that you take advantage of it. And share this episode with at least three of your friends that need to hear it. This is an important episode for every entrepreneur. And this is an important episode for every man and frankly, every woman who wants to have a beautiful, harmonious relationship and who stands for families that ought to stay together to stay together. And frankly, most families ought to stay together if they can just figure out how not to to run into the buzzsaw of the differences that make it difficult for them to, to be able to relate to one another from a space of love. And MJ Durkin and the Men of Honor podcast and this particular episode is an important one for lots of people to get, so make sure you share this widely. MJ Durkin, man, thank you so much for being on the show. You've really delivered for my listener and you've really delivered for me. I've learned a lot from you being on the show today. 
Well, I've, it's been a privilege to be here, and uh, I love talking to you, Nikki. And uh, you know, I, I think we both um, we both share the, uh, the the love of family, and uh, and and we want to see families stay together. Uh, we know that it's not good uh, for uh, for any any of our our countries, uh, whether it be in Canada or the U.S., for families to break up. I don't think uh, I, I actually I believe every single study shows that children do better if the parents stay together. And yeah. uh, so we, we are pro-family staying together. And I think the way to solve the crisis um, in, in our countries is to, um, is to strengthen families and make them better. And that's uh, it's my ultimate goal. And uh, of course, uh, if we can help people to increase their incomes uh, in their businesses, uh, that's an important part of, of making people more solid. So I'm on mission. I'm going to accomplish the mission. I'm trying to be a better man than I was yesterday. Uh, and really appreciate you inviting me here. It was a, a real pleasure and so great to meet your listeners. Well, man, thank you. Thank you so much. And, and 100%, it's important for us to stand for families. Children do better when families stay together. And it's important to teach men to be better men inside their relationships. And frankly, to help women understand men too, so they can be better women in their relationships. So kudos for you for doing that. And 100%, this show is a show run by capitalists, for capitalists. We believe in the free enterprise system because the free enterprise system is the most moral and noble system in the world. It's the one that allows you to pursue your dreams because it's based on voluntary exchange and not coercion. So kudos to you for helping men and women who are in business to be better business people, to create more income for themselves. Frankly, that's the way they get to serve the people that they want to serve. So kudos for that. That, my friend, wraps up another super exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guest, the one and only MJ Durkin and his awesome podcast, The Men of Honor, go to the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com. And to take advantage of the resources that I talked about, go to eastercoldacademy.com, click on the button that says Watch Free Masterclass. And if you need further help than that, click on the button that says book your success call right now and make sure you share this episode with at least three of your friends that need to hear what MJ Durkin has to say. Until next time, goodbye.